0: Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com.
1: Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark, and guess who's with me?
0: Mm, Ronald
1: McDonald. Yes. Yeah. I met Ronald McDonald at my cousin's 15th birthday party. Really? Yeah, he's pretty cool. Isn't that weird? That's the first thing that came into my head. I guess that means I'm hungry. I guess so. Are sure. you hungry? Did you eat today? Nah. This is going to be a fun one, Chuck. We're talking about credit default swaps. Ooh. I know, I know. We're going to try to make it sexy.
0: Yes. Should I go ahead and give the caveat here? If you want, go ahead. I just want folks to know we usually Josh and I do a lot of prep work and both have a pretty good understanding, but I'm not ashamed to admit that I didn't quite understand this one, and so it's pretty thick. Yeah, might be a little different today. Josh is going to be teaching me along with you. So,
1: okay. Are you prepared? As prepared as I can. I appreciate you dressing like a little schoolgirl today to really kind of complete everything, round it out. Yeah, yeah. Um, Okay, so, well, let me give you an analogy, all right? Okay. So, Chuck, imagine if I went to your um, health insurance provider, right? Okay, yeah. And said, hey, I want to buy Chuck's policy, okay? And they said, okay, and they sold it to me. And you would be in charge of that policy? I would own the policy. So I'd I'd be accepting monthly payments from you. Everything would be fine. I'd be probably running around trying to keep you out of accidents, that kind of thing. Right. Uh, But if you did get into an accident, I would be on the hook to pay your medical expenses, right? You bet you would be. You and I are both fully aware that I don't have the money to pay your medical expenses. No. So basically what would happen is I'd pay as much as I could until I bankrupted myself. Right. And then you'd be on the hook to pay your medical expenses, right? Okay. I get that. So you'd be in trouble. It'd bankrupt you and... We'd both be up the creek. I understand. So are far. you with me so far? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that okay. makes sense. Now imagine if you owned two other people's life or uh, health insurance policies. Okay. Just like I owned yours, okay? Sure. Now let's say you that accident you got into mm-hmm. was a three-car pileup just in, in a mind-boggling coincidence with the other two people whose health insurance policies you owned. Okay, I'm with you. So now all of a sudden you guys are all in an accident, all need health care, and nobody has the money to pay out. I can't pay yours, and you have your own problems, so right. you can't pay the other two people's. So imagine if this just keeps going on and on and on and on mm-hmm. in this infinite car pileup, and everybody owns everybody else's insurance policy, but nobody can pay. Okay? Okay. That's it's awful. Seems it does. It is awful. It's yeah. kind of nightmarish, right? It is. So the good thing is, is this can't happen because – Health insurance is a heavily regulated industry. Right. So you've got um, you have federal inspectors who can go to a health insurer and say, "Let me see your books. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure you can cover every policy that you have." Right. Do they do that? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And what's more, they can't sell your insurance policy to anybody. Right. Thankfully. Okay? Right. With credit default swaps, all the all the good things that keep health insurance from going pear shaped are not present. Although they are pretty much insurance policies on debt. Okay? Okay. This is where I start to get a little fuzzy. I understand. It, it does get a little fuzzy at this point.
0: It's a bit of a abstract um, – it's a bit abstract for me. It
1: is. It's insane. You have to be a, a, a genuinely savvy person and possibly a bit evil – to be able to really accurately uh, trade or make money in credit default swaps. Okay.
0: But you don't have to be evil to describe them to uh, people in podcast land.
1: No, no. You just have to read them. Read, okay. read the article several times okay. and, and write it too. It doesn't hurt to write it. I read get. it several times and it was still a little bit. Maybe you have to write it. Writing it out. Um, okay, so let me give you a little bit of background. Uh, credit default swaps are these financial instruments that mm-hmm. came out of the late 90s, right? It's a derivative. Mm-hmm. It is a derivative. And a derivative is? A derivative, I do know this. It's uh, a financial instrument uh, that has a
0: value based on the value of another financial instrument.
1: Right. So let's say you're trading in oil futures, right? mm mm-hmm. um, That... Actually, the value of that future is based on the value of oil. Sure. It has an actual value, right? Mm -hmm. Um, With this, uh, this would be based on uh, future, an oil future, right? Right. So it it doesn't have its own value. Its value is based on the value of something else. So let's say you bought a bunch of oil futures, Mm -hmm. and you were worried that the price of oil was going to go down, right? Sure. And so you'd be getting the oil, cheaper oil for, than what you paid for it. You would, you would lose money. Right. You could, I'm not sure if you could or not, but let's say theoretically, you could buy a, uh, credit default swap to cover that eventuality. Okay. So it's like insurance? That's exactly what it is. Okay. So in the 90s, um, they, they started, uh, issuing these things on municipal bonds, which are, were about as safe as it gets. Um, almost every city, except for probably Detroit, has a uh, AAA um, <laughs> credit
0: rating, right? Right. So a municipal bond is a loan made to a city to finance a project. That's why it's a little more stable than your average uh, situation.
1: Right. And a city can tax its citizens oh, to pay yes. off its debts, they do. which is one of the reasons why they're so stable Okay. and reliable and creditworthy, right? Gotcha. So the thing is, like all these banks that are issuing these policies are saying, you know what, we're making just tons of extra income mm-hmm. because they're they're um, selling these credit default swaps to people who are loaning money to cities. The cities are definitely paying it back, so there's no there's no um, default on the loan. Right. And so the banks are just raking in extra money. So these things started to take off like a rocket. Who's the they? That's what I'm confused about. That's the bank? They actually issue these? Okay. So let's say let's say that um, I have a bunch of money. And Atlanta needs to uh, repay four hundred. Okay. So I buy a bunch of city bonds, a bunch of municipal bonds, which are basically it's a city issuing debt. I give them a bunch of money, and they give me a bond in return to hang on to, and Uh I'll earn like slow, steady, small interest. Mm -hmm. Right. I would buy a credit default swap from a bank, right? Okay. To say if this city doesn't pay me back then i can cash in this credit default swap this insurance policy against the against the uh, the the uh, loan i gave the city okay okay and then i'll actually make more money because gotcha. like a life insurance policy it has it's worth more than say the actual loan Ah, okay. See, coming into focus. Okay, is it? Kind of, is it? Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Okay. We should we should talk together before we do these. It ruin everything. Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. So, um okay. So, the, so the, it, it made a, a huge source of extra income for the banks that were issuing these these insurance policies. Right. Um, because no municipality was defaulting on their loans. Okay. Right. Yeah. Um, so they started to look for other places where they could sell these things, or people they could sell them to. Of course. And essentially, you can cover any debt whatsoever um, with a credit default swap. Well, that's amazing to me, and I think one of the
0: reasons why it was able to to, to take off like this is because they're unregulated. It seems like, the, you know, greed, as always, kind of takes hold, and they're like, mm-hmm. "Hey, if we
1: do it for this, we can do it for this." Mm-hmm. Is that yeah. how it worked? They're wholly and completely, to this day, unregulated. It's amazing. Uh, so, Which is why that, that scenario that I gave you at the beginning about your health insurance policy, right? Uh, that's dead on with credit default swaps. So think about this. Say a bank issues um, a credit default obligation mm-hmm. to somebody who has um, created debt, right? Right. Um, th- that guy who loaned money to the city for that road project. Sure. Okay? So he buys a credit default swap. Now, there's two players in this one really, as far as the insurance policy goes. you got the bank, mm-hmm. who has the issuer's uh, side of it. Right. And then you've got me, uh, the guy who made the loan to the city, who has the buyer's side of it. Right. Okay? And do you pay a premium, like Yeah, like regular monthly insurance? premium. Okay. Right. Um, and then both of these sides of this policy can be sold to anybody at any time who wants to buy them, and neither side needs to notify the other person. Really? What's more, because it's unregulated... Um, if the bank sells it to you, mm-hmm. right, so now you own the uh, the issuer portion of my credit default swap, right. so I'm now making payments to you, yeah. you don't have to prove to them at all whether you have the money to cover it right. If uh, that's, if the city defaults on the loan. This sounds – two things. This strikes me. It sounds like – La La Land, and it sounds like a really bad idea. It is because Chuck. Here's the problem, right? If you if we haven't come up with enough problems yet, um, since it's also since it's unregulated, the 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 way that a um, uh, a credit default swap can be called in. You're right. If I'm the buyer, is through a credit event, and there's certain credit events. One of the big ones is bankruptcy. Sure. One of them is if the city just says we're not repaying your loan. That would be a uh, a, a credit event, right? Right. And then that triggers payment. Problem is, is since they're unregulated, anybody can dispute whether or not a credit event actually took place, whether the event that the buyer is Uh saying, give me my money over, actually was a credit event. So there's mediation. There's lawsuits. Well, who do they dispute it to, though, since there's no body? They take the other person to court. Oh, they just start suing each other? Yes. More litigation. That's exactly what we need. Right. Um, The thing is, it's... It's still, like I said, to this day unregulated. Mm-hmm. There is actually an independent body of banks and investment houses and uh, other, other uh, investors uh, and securities analysts, I believe, who have come together to form an arbitrating panel for credit default swaps. That's a good thing, right? It is a good thing, but again, it exists outside of the government. Right, right. So everybody who's involved in the credit default market had to agree, yes, we'll listen to these people. Their decision is binding. But is that, I mean, existing outside the government isn't necessarily a bad thing. No, it isn't, but I I think to me it's just kind of one more point, like, where's the SEC? Right. And I actually read that the SEC and the Treasury Department were encouraging this panel to form like please go handle this for us because right. we don't have any teeth whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so that's the problem with it being unregulated, right? Well, it sounds like it's ripe for a nightmare scenario too,
0: like yes. you first were talking about.
1: Let me let me set the stage for you, okay? Okay. In July 2007, you remember the good heady days of the bubble before it burst? Oh uh, yeah. Okay. The um the the subprime mortgage market was valued at uh let's see I think $7 trillion Wow! in the U.S. In though. the U.S. alone, okay. In the U.S., but the U.S. is, I think, the biggest player in the subprime mortgage market, right? Oh, sure. And this is when the subprime mortgage market was still valuable. So $7 trillion. Do you know in July 2007 what the credit default swaps market was valued at? I do, but I'm going to let you say it. Are you ready? Yeah. $62 trillion. That's unbelievable. Do you know what the global GDP was for 2008? I do, but I'm going to let you say it. You ready? <laughs> yeah. $69 trillion. Wow. So it's just short of the glo- of the global GDP. So basically if every country in the entire world could suddenly sell off everything they a- produce, every good and service it produced in right. a year to, say, some aliens, mm-hmm. right? We'd still just, we'd have like $5 trillion left over for the year. It sounds
0: like this is the biggest market of anything
1: in the world almost. Yes, yeah I it's, I think so. I can't right. I can't think of anything that that's valued at more than that. And it just think about it. This is the, the late 90s. So in a decade this unregulated market went from 0 to 62 trillion. Well, what's amazing is
0: like you you reference the mortgage crisis and that's sort a of scenario you can you can track it down to a house eventually mm-hmm. like a physical property but mm-hmm. This is sort of like uh,
1: exist in the ether, so where there's no end of the line. No, it seems like no, there isn't. Um Which is why you can say, "No, nah, credit credit event didn't occur," or "No, I'm not going to pay up," or "I don't have the money to pay up." I'm sorry, I was enjoying the monthly payments you were paying me, and I really thought you were going to be okay. But now that you've gone under, I can't I can't pay you. You know, I can't pay you um, the the money that right. I owe you. Right. So what what does be- this lead us? Well, hold on, let me say one more thing. The, uh, the whole reason this, this market blew up was because it's actually a way to bet on the health of a company, right? Right. So if you have a bunch of investors, who have buyer's shares uh-huh. of uh, credit default swaps? <clears throat> then they're saying uh, they think that that company's going to go under because right. they're paying monthly premiums, but it's on the premise that you um, that that company's going to go under and there'll be a much bigger payout. Right, you can do that with end. stocks too. Yes, even more, um, you can actually short sell a company, mm-hmm. driving its value down if you if you own enough shares or you can borrow enough shares and sell them on a uh, on margin. Um, if you have credit default swaps, it'll actually be a bigger payout if you can drive that company into bankruptcy because you've just created a, a credit event. That seems unbelievable. Okay, so this is where the world was teetering right now uh-huh. in, in 2007, 2008. Um, Lehman Brothers actually went down, not because of subprime mortgage securities, uh, but because of all the credit default swaps. Really, This huge domino effect was triggered. Uh-huh. A bunch of people had credit default swaps on the subprime mortgage securities that they owned, right? Oops. It, oops! Indeed. Yeah. Uh, so when the subprime mortgage securities went south, everybody turned to their credit default swaps and went, Woo, I'm I'm glad I have these." Now wait a minute. Who owns my policy? Because there's no paper trail whatsoever. You right. have to track down who owns it and then hope that they have the money to pay you. All these banks were finding out the people that own their their um, their insurers policy uh-huh. uh, didn't have the money to pay them. And the problem is, is when you're writing your balance sheet, if you have a major loss, but you have a credit default swap that right. covers it and it pays out. Uh-huh. You're fine. You're staying in the red, and you probably actually made a little bit of money. Right. If you have a major loss and there's no credit default swap to cover, or it can't be covered, Mm -hmm. then that's when your balance sheet goes into, uh, I'm sorry, into the red. Right. Right? Which is the bad one. Right, right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I get that. Okay. So um, that's what happened with Lehman Brothers. That's why AIG got all of that bailout money. Right. Because they had a bunch of credit default swaps, and now there's this panel. That I talked about the independent panel uh-huh. that's actually m- gotten the value of the market down to about twenty-five trillion. I wonder how independent they are. Well, yeah, I think it's probably all re- revolving door sure. stuff. Like they, if they haven't held public office in the last couple right. of years, they will. But soon, they all work you know? for Goldman Sachs. I think Goldman Sachs is a major player <laughs> in that Works. panel. Yeah. Well, this sounds
0: like uh, I get it now. Do you really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So thanks for that. But thank you. Where does this lead? I mean, is this? Uh, Something's got to happen at some point, it seems like, or else it, it's setting us up for even more failure economically, right? Or right.
1: Now? No, no, no. Most definitely. I think it's just, um, it seems like the uh, credit default swaps market is being tamed. Uh-huh. We, like I said, we've gone from $62 trillion to $25 trillion in just like two years. Okay, well, that's good. But I think it's symptomatic of the lack of regulation and oversight right. that, that we've had. Right. I mean, we have the SEC, but... They don't have any teeth, and the teeth that they do have are dull, and and can basically just gum butter. Right. You know. <laughs> um, and then the, the the fact that there's whole over-the-counter markets that are allowed to get this big without any regulation whatsoever, I think, uh, it, it seems to, there seems to be a pattern, Chuck. Like the Great Depression was the result of complete and total lack of oversight and regulation mixed with unbridled greed, right? Right. So then we come up with things like the SEC, the FDA, all these things, that all these regulatory bodies that right. came out of Keep the Great Depression and in in the, in the crash to prevent it from happening again. Uh-huh. Then we got lazy. So then this happened again. There's going to be more regulation. The right. problem is people always say... You know, pro-business people always say, you know, regulation strangles business. I disagree. Right. I think the whole point to, um, capitalism is to make as much money as you can as fast as you can, right? Sure. Yeah, yeah. Which means that no matter how many roadblocks the government throws up, all it's doing is presenting challenges for very clever, greedy right. people. And it they'll always find a loophole. Oh, yeah, always. Yeah. That's so very I think that's where it's leading us to more regulation, but I don't think there's ever going to be a saving grace where, Nothing like this ever happens again.
0: Right. Uh, well, when you're talking now $25 trillion, that's still su- such a massive amount that it's its kind of frightening to
1: think about. It is, but it's doable. It is. I think if the U.S., Japan, and, and the U.K. got together and sold everything off in a fire sale, we could cover it. But, right. Yeah. No. Yeah. All so, right. Well, I get it. Thanks. Good. I'm feeling pretty good about myself. Well, you should. Credit default swaps ahoy. Yeah, this this was sort
0: of like some math kind of just goes... So far above my head, I can read it and read it and read it, and it still just doesn't sink in. Yeah.
1: I'm like that with uh, algebra. Really? I get geometry, but not algebra. We should do a podcast on it and fumble our way through that. (laughs) We totally (laughs) could. Yeah. Yeah. So there there you have it, Josh. Awesome. All right. Uh, Are we still plugging things anymore?
0: Uh, Sure, Josh. We'll just give a quickie plug to the blog. All right. Blog. Stuff You Should Know blog that we write um, once a day each, and it's on the right side of the homepage. Very nice. And it's been enjoyable, and that's all we need to say.
1: Yes, that is it. So then, what does that mean, Chuck? It's listener mail time? It is indeed.
0: And Josh, this one, I'm really looking forward to reading. Which one is it? This is the I-me incident. We've been getting a lot it.
1: of these. Prim- uh,
0: for those of you, obviously, you don't know because you don't get a listener mail, we have a lot of people that take us to task on the use of I and me. Josh and I, Josh and me, me and Josh. I and Josh. I seem to get it a lot more than you, though. Oh, we both do. Do we? Yeah. So people take us to task and tell us that we're not being irresponsible uh, with our grammar. And I got this email from Keith in Alton, Illinois. And Keith says, I just want to let you know that as a student of linguistics, i like to tell you that in a compound object, e.g., send listener mail to Chuck and I slash me, it is totally fine to use whichever pronoun you think sounds better. I've read a lengthy explanation that justifies the use of I in a compound object, but I won't bore you with it. My main point is this talk in whatever way sounds right to you, while keeping in mind that certain non standard usage of words might put off some snooty pedants. Awesome, Keith. And he did actually send a link. I'm not going to bore you either, uh, but there was a book by Steven Pinker called The Language Instinct. And, uh,. I mean, he sent me a whole page where the guy basically breaks it down, and in the end, I'll just read the one sentence.
1: Stephen Pinker, really? Yeah. Okay. Do you know him? I, I just heard of him last night for the first time. Really? Yeah, it's odd.
0: How about that? So uh, his, the last sentence of his uh, thing says... By the logic of grammar, the pronoun
1: is free to have any case it wants. I agree. I think the point of communication is to get your get your idea across to somebody. Exactly. And I think interchanging I or me still gets the point across. Yeah. I, I think if you can get your point across with grunts and hand gestures, sure, that's proper communication.
0: Right. And when it comes down to it, the name of this show is not Grammar You Should Know. Right. And we are always the first ones to say we're not, uh,
1: you know, we're not perfect. So, uh Layoff. Yeah. Uh, matter of fact, Keith, go ahead and send us your uh, your uh, address because we're going to send you a T-shirt, my man. That was cool. Thanks for coming to the rescue. Yeah, Keith, shirt size and address, and we'll thank you for
0: having our backs on this.
1: Right on. So uh, if you want to have our backs, if you want to take us to task, if you're a grammar Nazi or a um, well, whatever, <laughs> how about we re-record that part? Ready? So if you want to have our backs or you want to take us to task like the uh, grammar Nazis that wrote in, um, just go ahead and send us an email to StuffPodcast at HowStuffWorks.com.
0: For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you